be sent out. See, you and I are not called to live in this building, in this place, in this community all the time, in this closed little circle. We are called to go into this world, which is broken and hurting, which is filled with people who are lost and confused, who feel disconnected from God, who are wondering, God, do you still care? And you and I are called to gather and to receive, and in that receiving of forgiveness, to go and be sent out, to share with the whole world the love that God has, to invite all those who are broken and hurting, those who life seems to be going well for them, to invite every person, rich or poor, come and hear, come and see. And that's not come here to this place, come into your life, and see in you what God is doing. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. Today we are continuing and finishing our series on eating and drinking. Again, I'll ask, like I've asked the last few weeks, how many of you like food? Drink? Whether that be coffee or orange juice or something else, you can choose. Eating and drinking is something that every one of us does all the time. But I think for most of us, we often just do it and don't think about it. And yet there's a really powerful and simple way that our eating and drinking can transform who we are, and how we view this world. If you've been here for a while as part of this church, you may have heard me said before, here at The Point, our mission, everything we do is for one reason. We exist to connect the disconnected to a growing and reproducing relationship with Jesus. And what that means really simply is every one of us at some point in our life has been disconnected from God either by our own actions and doings or by the actions of others, we have felt like God is far from us and nothing could be further from the truth. God has promised to be with us always. He does not hold our sin against us and he forgives us and makes us new. But when we feel disconnected from God, oftentimes we run from God. And so our mission here in this place, everything we do is to help those who feel like God is far off or angry or against them to know that God is for them, God is with them, and God is desiring to grow with you in relationship. And the thing about growing in relationship is it is a journey. There's not a one-time moment where everything suddenly becomes better or different or right But along the way, in this journey together, we learn new habits to replace old, unhealthy things that were not good and begin to do things that are actually life-giving. And so here in this place, we believe that growing with Jesus 
requires that we learn habits that teach us how to be with him and how to become like him and how to do the very things he does. And in this practice of eating and drinking, we get to both become like him and to do the very thing he does. You see, for most of us, as we eat, we eat quickly. We eat in a hurry in the car as we're going one place to another. Very few Americans, percentage-wise, actually sit down for a meal with their family on a weekly basis. Like, let's be honest. How often is the TV on while we're eating? Or our phones on the table and we spend so much time staring at the screen we forget the person across from us. If this seems like a foreign world to you, just imagine for one moment going to lunch today and just looking around at the place you're eating. If you're eating out, I can almost guarantee every table will have one or two or multiple phones sitting on it or in the hands of the people. They're more consumed by their technology than the people they should be spending time with. And so we believe that if you're going to grow with Jesus, the simplest thing to do is to begin to transform the simple everyday things into time with Jesus. And one of the ways we do that is first and foremost by stopping. See, as we talk about this practice, I don't want you to add more to your plate. Anybody in here feel like life is busy? You're tired and you're worn out. You're like, if only I could just take a break. How could I ever add more to my plate, Adam? I don't want you to add more to your plate unless it's going back for seconds at a meal you're taking time for, all right? To add more to your plate is just more burden and exhaustion and tiredness, and that's not what Jesus invites us into. He invites us to rest with him. So over the course of this series, we have discussed ways that our meal can be transformed to be transformative. The way we can take something really simple and make it extraordinary. We've talked about ways that we can simply slow down and eat with people around us. Like the most incredible way you can get to know your neighbors, I promise, is just invite them over to eat with you. And you don't have to cook a fancy meal. If you're good at it, you can. But you could literally just start a fire in a fire pit and cook hot dogs. And it will be a powerful time of getting to know your neighbors. I promise. Food connects us. And so through the practice of eating and drinking, we get to express radically ordinary hospitality, which means we don't have to be fancy or all put together or have all the answers. We just get to be and welcome other people into that. I challenged you in this series to consider what if you took time this week to eat as a family? And maybe you live alone, you're like, I don't really have family nearby me. What if you took time to eat this week with people close to you in your life? Maybe in proximity, you ate with your coworkers at lunch or your neighbors next door or friends you got together on purpose to eat. And I challenge you, what if you just slowed down while you ate and instead of spending 15 minutes, which is the average length of time people eat, you spent 30 or an hour. And the only way you can take the time to do that is by slowing down and purposefully stopping some of the busyness. And we live in a culture that believes, if I'm not going all the time, I must be dead. It's good to not go. To turn off the emails on your phone, they will still be there after your 30-minute lunch break, I promise. 
and the sports updates you can still read later and all those things just slow down. We talked about how food has been in the church historically for 2,000 years, one of the primary ways that we have reached the lost by feeding those who are hungry, by sitting together in a meal and celebrating God's goodness, even by sometimes purposefully throwing parties to just sit back and enjoy all of God's goodness. Last week, we began talking about how the church has historically always been centered around a table, whether they gathered in homes or whether their centering around a table was the altar where they received communion, a meal given to us by God. And we talked about this meal of communion, which quite literally is community and togetherness, that if we are feeling lonely, if we're feeling like an outsider or an outcast, this meal is an invitation to be included, to belong with someone and some people to be a part of something bigger than yourself. This meal called communion that we as a church partake in regularly is an invitation to set aside all of our differences and all of our struggles and even to purposefully see the people who have wronged us, go out of our way to forgive them, that we can be together as one body. And in looking at this, we read from 1 Corinthians 11, and this is where we're going to come back to today to get started. You see, I shared last week about a couple of the names of communion, but there's over five different things. This, this meal is called in Scripture, and I want us to dive into a couple other names and what that means for us when we partake in communion. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11 on page 1196, if you're following along in the blue Bibles in front of you or upstairs on the sides, if you're on your phones or your own Bible, just search it or I don't know the page number, all right? Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 17. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth that is struggling with lots of different things. And among them, their communion meal did not look or feel like it was supposed to. It wasn't honoring God in the way that it should. Here's what he says. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. See, if you remember, this meal was more than just a wafer and some wine. It was more than just a little tiny piece. They would share an entire meal A great meal that those who were wealthy would feed, those who were poor and those who were hungry would know that when they gathered, they would be taken care of. And in this great feast, there were some who were abusing it by going about their regular practice of having social structures and classes that put those who were poor at a disadvantage. Paul says that's not what this meal is supposed to be about. When we as the church gather for food, whether it's communion or a full meal, We gather recognizing that we are all equal. 
There's not one of us who is more sinful or broken or far from God than another. There's not one of us who is better or more holy or more righteous. We are equal in every regard. And it's important that when we come together, we recognize that. And we set aside our differences and our points of of arguments and our points of disagreements. And we say, in this time, we are one people. And I don't mean this in a way that says we should be fake and ignore those other things. But because of the significance of our gathering, we need to actually address those other things before coming together. We need to seek out those whom we have wronged and ask for forgiveness and in turn offer forgiveness to those who have wronged us even before they're willing to ask. And in doing so, we come together as one body. Paul, he continues to write, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. One of the names perhaps you've heard for communion is a word called the Eucharist. If you've ever heard that and not known what it means, let me make it really clear. The Eucharist comes from Greek meaning thanksgiving. Part of the reason we call the meal of communion the Eucharist at times is because it is a meal of thanksgiving. In the same way that Jesus gave thanks before giving it to his disciples, he invites us every time we come to eat and drink to give thanks. Now, I have to confess, I'm not always very good at giving thanks. Uh, A few weeks ago when we talked about celebration and learning to celebrate God's goodness in our connect group as we were talking through it, one lady said, you know, what if tomorrow you only had what you were thankful for today? And to be honest, I would have very little because I often think Thanksgiving is only for the big things, right? I'm thankful for this or for that, something really big and exciting, but I I rarely remember Thanksgivings for the normal, everyday things. And I was reminded of this when that very night we went to bed and my oldest son, who's seven, was there with us as we're having this discussion, mostly sitting silently. But as we went to bed, he began to pray as I was putting him to bed. And his prayer was the longest I think he's ever prayed. And I don't know if he's just trying to not go to bed or if something that was said hit home because most of his prayer was thanksgiving. And he listed all these friends and family and even many of you and he prayed for a ton of people by name and he was thankful for his bed and for his pillow and I think he was really afraid everything would disappear tomorrow if he wasn't thankful for it. And almost every night since, that's been his prayer time. A whole list of thank you, God, for the air that I'm breathing and the animals you created and this and that and all sorts of things I rarely remember to thank God for. Every time we gather for communion and we receive this meal together as a church, we celebrate that we have a creator who has given us everything. And I don't mean everything like life is always easy and perfect. The breath you take comes from him. The water you drink when you're hot and thirsty comes from him. The food that sustains you comes from him. The very health that you have and even the health that you have when you're not very healthy. He sustains you in all ways. And so we eat and we drink as a church regularly 
to celebrate a creator who cares for us. I don't know if you know this, but we are unique as Christians believing in a God who creates and a God who cares. There are a lot of religions out there, and certainly at this time, a lot of pagan practices where they believed in creator gods who made all things, but oftentimes the making of all things was accidental. And not only was the making of all things accidental, God afterwards distanced himself and said, now you figure it out. But our God is a creator who made all things and who cares about all things. And so the meal that we celebrate as a church regularly, in this place we do it at least twice a month. I would love one day that we're doing it all the time. But the meal that we celebrate regularly is an act of thanksgiving. God, you have provided for me abundantly. Paul, he writes, he says, What was given to me freely I give to you. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Part of the meal of communion is remembrance. In the Old Testament, when God gives his commands to his people, he says, remember the Sabbath day. He says, remember all that I have done for you. Remember this and that. Time and time again, all throughout scripture, the people of God are called to remember all that God has done. We sing of his faithfulness, but often I find myself complaining because my life doesn't feel like God is faithful. I find myself downtrodden and heavy laden because things are difficult and hard. Maybe you're in that same place. Every time we eat of this meal, we remember God's faithfulness. What what does that mean? You in this place, in this time, whatever your challenges, whatever your joys, wherever you're at, God has not forgotten you. So we remember all that he has done. We remember all that he is doing. What about this? Did you know that in this very moment, as you're sitting here wishing you had another cup of coffee, maybe thinking about lunch and where you're going to eat later, right here in this very moment, did you know that God is actively working in you? He always is. He's working in you and in me to create in us a clean heart to change our brokenness into his beautiful joy, to bring us good gifts like a father who cares. So every time we eat and we drink, we remember what he has done and what he is doing. We also remember his promises of what is to come. You today are not who you will be three months from now. You are not who you will be six years from now. You're not who you will be on the day when Jesus returns and our faith is made sight. You will one day be perfect. Not in this life, unless he returns really soon. But when he returns, you'll be made completely new forevermore. In the the book of Revelation, it says that on that day, there will be no tears, no sickness, no hunger, no sorrow, everything will be good. So we eat and we drink as a church to remember all that has been and all that is and all that will be. Your present does not define your future, nor does your past. But he does. 
we're going to flip back to Matthew. In Matthew, this gospel, uh, one of the four stories of Jesus' life and all that he did, Matthew describes this very moment here where he gives this meal to his people. In Matthew chapter 26, Matthew is unique because Luke also describes this meal, but Luke goes much more in depth. Matthew only spends a few verses talking about this meal, but he tells us something really incredible we need to remember when we come and we eat and we drink. Just to give you a little bit of context, right before here in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus says, one of you is about to betray me. And all of the disciples are like, who, me? I could never do that. And right after this, Jesus says, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me. He says, I would never do that. And what happens after the the promise of denial, Peter denies. And all of his disciples walk away as he's suffering and dying. Everybody does exactly as he says and abandons them. And in the middle of this story about how none of his disciples will be faithful, and they all will betray him. Jesus says this. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. In Matthew's gospel, that's it. What becomes the central, most important part of the church's gathering, that's all Matthew has to say about it. And it comes in the middle of the promise of betrayal and the act of betrayal. And I don't think Matthew does that on accident. You see, Jesus knew they were going to fail him. He even knew when they would fail him and how they would fail him. And yet in the middle of it, as they're celebrating the Passover meal, a meal that was intended for the church, the people of God, to remember how God rescued them from slavery, to remember how God delivered them from their enemies, to remember how God was faithful to forgive them as they were looking back to the past. In the middle of that, Jesus takes bread and breaks it. He says, this is my body. To which I imagine all of the disciples are like, that's really weird. What does that mean? You see, because in all of their practice of remembering, there was no time in which they thought about the very body of God or the very body of anything being given to them. Yes, they would sacrifice an animal and they would eat that flesh, but they would not in any way think bread was significant. But Jesus, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to him and said, take and eat, this is my body. And then he goes on and he says uh, with his cup, take Or drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant. In Luke's gospel, Luke 22, Luke writes about the same thing, and he describes this, Jesus saying, this is blood of the new covenant, referring back to Jeremiah 31, where God promised there will come a day when he makes a new promise with his people. See, a covenant was a mutually binding contract where they would agree together for whatever they were agreeing on. And in making a covenant in the Old Testament, there would be agreed upon, this is what we're all about, this is what we will do for each other, and then they would sacrifice an animal, 
And they would cover themselves in the blood of that animal, and then they would eat that animal. And in doing so, in the eating, and with the blood which they were not to drink but were to be covered in, they would know that anyone who would break the covenant should have the same thing happen to them. And Jeremiah promised that there would be one day, a day when a new covenant would come, a new promise from God for the forgiveness of sins. But in Matthew's gospel, he doesn't include the word new like Luke does. He just says, this is my blood of the covenant. Connecting all that Jesus is doing and about to do to all the things God had always said he would do. And why bread? See, I think bread is important. Because in the Old Testament, as the people were remembering their time in slavery, God talks about how they were people who ate the bread of affliction. That is, after they were brought out of slavery, they wandered in the desert and they suffered. And the bread that God provided them day in and day out, the food for them to eat, they looked at it and said, this isn't enough, this isn't what I want. God, give me something different. And pain and sorrow came upon them in that. And I think Jesus takes this bread to say, look, that bread of affliction is now my body. Pain and sorrow, suffering that you remember is now in me. And if you know what happens next, all of his disciples abandon him and leave him and he suffers and he dies. A very painful death. And his blood is poured out for the forgiveness of many. For the forgiveness of you and for me. And when we gather and we receive communion, we don't just remember that God has forgiven us, we actually receive again that very forgiveness. You are forgiven today, tomorrow, and every day. And oftentimes, I believe that when we view communion to be very insignificant, this meal that we eat to be something passing, something not so meaningful, we lose sight on the value of why do we gather. If any of you have ever spent a season of time not connected to the church community, maybe you know this to be true in your life. The longer we're not connected to the community of the church, the people of God, the harder life seems to be. It works that way for me. When I'm not able to be connected with you guys or with others, I feel distant not only from God but from others. My marriage struggles. Life is harder when we don't have a community of people to live this life together with. But I also think life is harder when we remove ourselves from this community because we lose the very thing this community gives. That is this meal we share together of communion where we receive each time forgiveness. I have a friend who's a pastor who used to live here in Knoxville, and this friend would regularly, anytime we got together, I don't know if you know this, pastors often like to commiserate because misery loves company, and we like to share stories about how hard things are and how difficult they are, and every time we'd get together and I would begin to share how difficult things were, He would just stop and say, Adam, do you want to receive communion today? It's like, like, today's a Tuesday. What do you mean receive communion today? It's like, no, like in our gathering together, you and I, let's receive communion. And so we'd stop and we'd go through and we'd talk about this scripture and 
and he'd remind me of this promise, and then we would receive communion. He'd speak the same things that I speak with you and for you every time we take communion. Take and eat the body of Christ. Take and drink the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this often in remembrance of me. Words Jesus also speaks in Luke. Do this often in remembrance of me. And I learned from my friend through that time together that you and I should long to be coming together for communion as often as we can. Because there's a real power, not just in me saying, Jesus forgives you, but me actively forgiving you. You are forgiven. I forgive you. And I know in my life, I need to be forgiven daily. And I need to be reminded of that often. And Jesus invites us in this practice of communion to eat and drink for the forgiveness of sins. There's a a Catholic term perhaps you're familiar with, and this is where I'm going to end today. Anybody ever heard of the Mass? you got a Catholic background. Maybe you know you, you go to the Mass, you participate in the Mass. Anybody know where that term comes from? Middle East? Not quite. All right. So here's a little bit of history for you. It comes from Latin. Anybody in here speak Latin? My, my kids are learning Latin in school, so every time I ask them to pray, they say, can we pray in Latin? And I'm like, no, because I don't know Latin. <laughs> but they do, so... So be it. The Latin phrase that the, the Christian church used to end with following communion was ita missa s, which means go be sent out. Or in other words, you could say you're dismissed. Like it's over, it's finished. Go be sent out. And that was shortened over time to just mass because it sounds kind of like mass. And so the term mass comes from the sending that would come after communion. You would receive communion and this forgiveness of sins and this remembrance of what God has done and the very body and blood of Jesus for you. And then they would say, go be sent out. See, you and I are not called to live in this building, in this place, in this community all the time, in this closed little circle. We are called to go into this world, which is broken and hurting, which is filled with people who are lost and confused, who feel disconnected from God, who are wondering, God, do you still care? And you and I are called to gather and to receive, and in that receiving of forgiveness, to go and be sent out, to share with the whole world the love that God has to invite all those who are broken and hurting, those who life seems to be going well for them, to invite every person, rich or poor, come and hear, come and see. And that's not come here to this place, come into your life and see in you what God is doing. Let them see in you when you eat and drink with them, when you slow down in the middle of a busy work week to say you are worth spending 30 minutes or an hour with. I'll make time for you. Go and be with people and invite them into your world that they can see in you a God who has truly forgiven you and transformed you and is in the process of making you new. 
And from that place, come back into our gathering to receive week over week, time after time, his very body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins, that you may be strengthened in faith to live with him and for him and whatever the world throws at you. This is why we eat and drink, why we receive this meal that I should have planned to have today and I didn't. We, we should. We'll have it next week. All right? So come back and receive his very body and blood and be forgiven. As you go, as ones who are sent out, may you go with Christ. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your body and blood, that you have laid down your life, that you have suffered and died, that the affliction we remember is not our sorrow and our pain, but your sorrow, that in your death and crucifixion you have set us free. By the blood that you shed, we are made new, that we are brought into this promise, one that you will never break, this promise that we will be with you and you will be for us, that you have forgiven us and are making us new. God, teach us to be people who long for this meal, this meal where we remember and we give thanks for all that you have done, where we celebrate your presence, where we set aside all of our division and our distractions, all of our differences and arguments, and where we are one people, united with one mission, to go and be sent out to a world that is hurting and hungry, desperate for the food we have to offer. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue our worship today, we continue by collecting an offering. If you came prepared to give an offering today, you would like to partner with what God is doing and say, I trust you even with my finances. If you are somebody who prefers to do that with cash or check, you can do so in the popcorn bucket as you exit. Uh, if you filled out one of those physical connect cards with a way we can be praying with you, if you'd like us to contact you about something, you can place that in the bucket as well. If you came prepared to give today, but you prefer to give electronically, you can do so at thepointknox.com by clicking the little teal button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know this. We don't give to get God's love but because we already have it. Thank you. Adam, what questions came in today that I should respond to? I keep refreshing because I assume the questions are going to come in, but I think you've done such an effective job this morning, no one has any questions. There have been no new questions this morning. Last week, I might have thought, okay, such an effective job, but this is two weeks in a row, so now I'm wondering, did I put everybody to sleep? <laughs> yes, okay, that happens sometimes. I don't know if you guys know this, sometimes I want to be asleep, uh, even while I'm up here. That happens sometimes. Yeah. I keep refreshing, nothing. So Okay. Yeah, job well done. Maybe. <laughs> or better job next time. We'll see. All right. Well, as always, you can always ask questions, and if you would like, we'll respond to them in the middle of the week, later, or next Sunday. As you go, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know 
simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.